Oh man, I just noticed. <laughs> oh, nice. In this Airbnb in the bedroom, there's a little uh, AM FM radio cassette recorder player. It's got a little tape player on the front. Is there a CD player on the top? There is. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I don't have any cassette tapes or CDs to play, but yeah, this place really got everything. I think this might be the high watermark for my Airbnbs. I've only got today, tomorrow, and then the next day I gotta get out of here. But I do have some solo apartments set up in Fukuoka that I expect to be pretty good. But yeah, this is probably gonna be the best one. It is a shame it wasn't available a little more. And yeah, it's booked up like uh, the whole time I'm here. I mean everything, uh, I've already got everything booked so it's not like I could take advantage anyway, but all the way up to like January this place is booked every day. I think, uh, I think this is a good example of, I'm gonna keep my eye on it next time I'm in Japan, but I bet the price is gonna go up on this property because at whatever it was, 40 some dollars a day, it's probably worth more than that. Especially if you came here with multiple people and you split up the price, then it would just be like crazy. What a crazy good deal it would be. So yeah, I assume that's probably, if you run an Airbnb, that's probably a good uh, sign. If your place is just booked literally all the time. <laughs> like even the way I got it was just that there was this one little spot, this one little space of six days where it wasn't booked. And I just took those. That's a sign you can raise the price. I think you can raise the price pretty uh, guilt-free at that point. Not that I assume property owners feel guilt about <laughs> the prices they charge for their Airbnbs. But yeah, this episode, I'm gonna talk about Ikebukuro, but first I just thought I'd do a little apartment update. I just got a, a little curry-flavored cup noodle, which is not my favorite, even just opening it up. You can hear the echo in the different rooms. Here, let's go stand in the uh, shower room. See how that sounds. Yeah, even when you open it up, it's like, whoa, it sure is that. It is curry, curry-flavored noodles. But I got it just because, uh, just nostalgia reasons. I remember I got one of these to try because I'd never seen them in North America, and I ate it on the balcony of my Airbnb in Fukuoka that I stayed at last time. And it's just a nice little memory of just, because I guess because it was such an unusual taste, it's just such a strange, strong flavor. So I always just kind of remembered that little memory of sitting on the balcony in the summer, eating the curry noodles. So this time I also have a little balcony and it's functionally summer. It's essentially summer. I still can't believe it's this warm in November. But yeah, I've, uh, I've been bumping my head a lot. <laughs> I definitely gotta be careful of that because this is an old house. There's this lamp in uh, the kitchen that is definitely bonk, bonk height, but the, uh, the ceiling's big enough. But yeah, I realized all these doors, I'm 6'2", and uh, yeah, this door comes to, geez, the top of the door is just above my eyebrows. <laughs> They're really small little doors. So I've uh, kind of had to make a little habit of crouching a little, being a little golemy when I walk around, because if I'm not mindful, especially in the dark, yeah, I just bang, bang my head. Oh, and here's a, I guess because in the bedroom I just go straight into bed, but this one also. 
bong. <laughs> Another light that's bonk height. Uh, I've been scrolling through Japanese TV a little bit, which uh, is also kind of a rare thing. Also, my Airbnb in Fukuoka last time was the only one I had with a TV. And in this case, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be TVs in the other ones, but I thought I should just, just put on some TV in the background while I can. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it is just, you know, Japanese daytime TV. I don't know what the heck it is. It's <laughs> sometimes if there's, a, it's weird if there's an anime. I guess my favorite things are the nature type shows. There's this one show that was just this old guy. I don't know who he is, but they were just taking him around to different places, different sites. And I was like, oh, cool. All right, a little travel show. I'll watch this. <laughs> That's all I do, just go to weird little shrines and stuff. So I just watch some guy go do it. That's great. And you just throw some anime on in the background once in a while, why not? But I did notice there's this show, it was also, I noticed it before, so it's been on for at least four years, it's probably been on since time immemorial, where it's just, uh, it's like these, sort of a panel of people, and they just show them different stuff, different goings-on about Japan, and they just kind of react to it, but so much so that even when they're showing the clip, in the corner they'll just show a little circle with the person's face. And when I say react, react is too strong of a word, you know, it's just the, the all-encompassing positive. Everyone's just like, cool, <laughs> you know? But it reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, like when Twitch started getting big and like video game Let's Plays. I remember that being one of those things people thought was weird at first. Like, why would you want to watch someone else play a video game? But then really quickly it became clear that it's actually really fun to watch someone else react to a thing, be it a video game or, you know, a song or whatever. Now it's like a bonus if you don't know something. If you've never played a video game or you don't know a genre of music or something, you can make a little mini career out of just being the person who reacts to that stuff. It's fun to see another human's reaction to things. But it made me think, like, did, uh, I wonder how long Japan has been doing that, because did they sort of invent that Twitch culture way before the internet did? Because they definitely invented video game Let's Plays, because uh, if you go way back, nowadays it's very common to watch other people play video games. It's not weird at all. But I think the first video example is, it's a really good show, it's called Game Center CX. And there's some official translations you can find, but also a lot of fan translations. It's not too hard to dig up. But it's this guy, this uh, Japanese comedian, that they basically just sat him down, made this little low-budget TV show where they sat him down with old... You know, the way old video games were quite short, but they were very hard. And it's like, hey, now that you're a grown man, let's see how you can do at this. And you'd have a certain amount of time to beat the game. And it's surprisingly nail-biting. <laughs> you know, it's like... And he's also the perfect level of, he's not bad at video games, but he's not exactly great at them. It's like, he, he does do quite poorly at first, but he just perseveres. But he plays these games for hours and hours and hours, and the sun goes down, and everyone's like, hey, it's going to be the last train soon, the crew needs to go home, this is your last chance to beat the game. And a lot of times he doesn't, but sometimes he does, and it's like, wow, what a great show. But that's been on forever, it's on like season, I don't know, I don't think it's up to season 20 yet, but it's getting there. So that came way before Internet Let's Plays. It's just it was a bit, you know, local to Japan, not extremely known outside of Japan. We certainly didn't have TV shows like that. But I wonder, I mean, in general, did they just 
did they do the let's just watch people react to stuff way before everybody else? It seems like maybe they did. And I guess just my last little apartment thing I can say that comes to mind is uh, yes, I never could figure out how to get the ancient 1970s era gas-based water heater to work for the shower, but that's okay, because like right now, what is it now, it's 1022, it's still nice out, but it feels a little chilly in here, but if I do a little editing, do some work before I leave the house, by the time it's uh, early afternoon, once I get out of here, it's going to be quite warm, and I'll just take a cold shower, that's fine, (laughs) you know, I really don't mind, again, I'm only here two more days, I'm not going to bother the Airbnb person about it, because I don't really care, it's kind of an interesting experience to do cold showers. I've been doing okay with these cold showers, but I have not been washing my head, (laughs) you know? Maybe it's fine, maybe it's no big deal, but I think it's still just the the East Coast Canadian in me that I'm just like, that's how you die. Like, I've had hypothermia in my life, you know? You You just don't do stuff like that. You don't... You don't risk your head with cold water. You don't do that. It feels so wrong. It feels like not worth it. And I mean, I'm probably just being ridiculous. It probably doesn't matter at all. It's like no cold water on the head for me. I just can't do it. It's against my culture. It's against how I was raised. <laughs> it feels wrong. It feels dangerous. You know, I was just saying like, oh, what a shame. I can't stay at this Airbnb longer. And then, like, right on cue, uh, I was uh, washing a plate, and there's, like, a a little, again, how the whole place sort of feels like camping, halfway like you're in a cottage. There's, like, a little wash basin inside the, like, separate from the sink. And when I moved it, there was a cockroach underneath. (laughs) And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, don't worry too much. This place is good, but every place has their ups and downs. And this being a a wicked old building with sliding doors and tiny door frames, it also has some cockroaches. It's funny because the first one I saw, he was like on the little mat as you first enter. And now this one is like the one ushering me out in a way. (laughs) It's like on the way in and on the way out. They are my valets. Also, uh... Just the uh, the size of this place, since this was, you know, uh, this would be like a whole apartment for like a family, you know, which is very different from my, the East Coast Canada thing where the house I grew up in is three floors and a basement. It was like a rectory for a priest or something. There's a church next door to us that's no longer a church. So this was like the house that the priest lived in, just an enormous, I mean, great big old drafty ass house with uh intermittent rat problems and you know it's also just an old fucked up place but enormous super big terrible insulation but yeah the idea of an entire family living in this area that made me think of the famicom how you know if you take a gamecube and n64 super nintendo they all look about the same no matter what country you got them in but the first one the old nintendo entertainment system In Japan, it's called the Famicom, the family computer, and it looks radically different. It's like a weird little red thing. (laughs) The design is different, red and gray. Looks much more like a toy than uh, the sleek Nintendo Entertainment System that was supposed to 
I guess because of the video game crash that happened in the early 80s, they wanted the Nintendo to not look like a toy. They wanted it to look like sleek 1980s consumer technology. So they made it look kind of like a boxy VCR. But the Famicom is this weird little toy looking thing and it has controllers that are hardwired to the system. You couldn't detach them. And instead of the big long cords like we have in North America, it was just these little teeny cords. And the whole thing seemed very weird to us in North America, because we're like, man, you just have to really sit right in front of the TV, huh? <laughs> like, what a strange design. So it's neat, because I knew conceptually, like, guys, ah, just because Japan has smaller houses. It's interesting to be in one right now, where my eye line is at the level, almost, <laughs> of the top of the door frames, and, you know, everything is, it is very small, and yeah, it would just make total sense. Even though this is a, uh, modern flat-screen TV, this would be an old-school 80s TV. And yeah, you just sit right here and uh, plug in your Famicom. If you don't need the long wires and the long cords, because where are you going to go? There's no room. <laughs> There's no room to back up from the TV. That's just kind of neat. Because that is like that, the convergence of, of 80s nostalgia between these two countries is so neat to me. It's so neat to go into a retro store or just any store, just to go all over the place and you just get memories of what it was like when I was a kid because so much stuff came from Japan. And it's just so neat to think that these kids from this other country that, I mean, as I've illustrated many times, I can't even ask for a, a plastic bag in Japanese. I can't communicate at all. I, I like the city and I like the place, but I'm very much outside of the culture. That's like a distant side dish to my visit. It's just, it's happening around me, but I am not part of it and I can't take part and I don't know what's going on. And yet, despite that, I still know very clearly what it would be like to sit right here in this house in the 80s and play a Famicom. They had a bunch of games that we didn't have, but even those... Uh, what's that guy's name on YouTube? Uh, Dr. Sparkle. Crontendo. He goes through every single Nintendo game chronologically, including the Japanese ones. And I've just looked into that stuff myself with ROMs and things, and a lot of the games were the same. Just that we had this extremely similar experience. It's so neat. It's so neat to be able to transplant myself back 40 years and to kind of be able to imagine not what it was like to be an adult. I don't know what their problems were like or what their jobs were like. I mean, it was the 1980s. Maybe it wasn't so bad, but, but still, I have no real basis of comparison for that. But the kids of Japan pretty easy to imagine and there's still like retro candy stores and stuff around that are different than our candy stores but they're still here I know what they look like I've, I've been to them <laughs> you know if you boil down a kid's life to video games and candy which I don't think is uh, unfair <laughs> I think that is kind of it and so my life was it's so cool that I can like think of those things in parallel and it's probably pretty accurate and it's also interesting about this place in particular because it's right by a highway, an elevated highway, but, but it has uh, barriers on either side. Maybe if I lived here long term, that would be an issue. But for this short term visit, I'm really surprised how little the traffic noise is bothering me. It really does just blend down 
into white noise. It's very even, it's very uniform, and it's just... Yeah, again, I don't know if I would want to be right by the highway for my whole life <laughs> if I owned this building. But I'm, I'm shocked how visiting, how it's not, uh, it's not bothering me. It's kind of nice. <laughs> it's weird. All right, so a slight change of plans. What I'm going to do, instead of walking from Naki Tabashi to Oji, I got to make sure I get to Ikebukuro earlier in the day because I got there last night. I'll talk about it when I get there, but it was a shit show. It was so busy and so crowded on a Sunday night. I want to get there while it's still Monday afternoon. <laughs> Theoretically, there should be less people around because I don't want to fight through crowds. So uh, I'm going to go take the... Uh, subway because I've been doing so much walking but I took the subway from Ikebukuro to Naka Itabashi yesterday and I kind of forgot because subways in Canadian cities generally you pay the fee and that's it you pay the fare and you go as far as you want to go it's split up a bit in like Vancouver and if you go really far in Montreal you know there's ways it can cost more but generally you pay the fee and that's it where Japan it's by station and I had kind of forgotten how it all worked I just remembered, like, if you're way in western Tokyo, it costs like $7 to get downtown, and it's probably better to uh, not bother. <laughs> just stay where you are, because that's expensive. <laughs> but that little ride from Ikebukuro to Nake Tabashi, it's only four stops. It was like a cheat code. It was $1.50. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I got to take the train in, go back to the little stop I always got off at, got off at that neighborhood, and it's just like, ah, that's nice. What a nice little... Uh, Another nice little nostalgia journey and a dollar fifty. Jeez, yeah, no, no problem. I'll pay that. So I think I'm gonna walk from Oji up through that path that I like so much along the Shikuji River. But I'm gonna do that on the way back. I'm gonna do it at night this time. On the way there, I'm just gonna walk over to Naki Tabashi. But yeah, I'm just gonna pay the buck fifty. <laughs> Get me straight into Ikebukuro. So let's do that now. this seems a bit better. I mean, it's still, it's still busy. It's obviously a major part of the city, Ikebukuro, but I just felt like it was bananas last night. But I don't know, I could be misremembering. I guess because my Airbnb was near here and I would hang out here all the time, I got to assume probably on weekend evenings, I just didn't come here, <laughs> you know? Maybe it was always this busy or maybe Ikebukuro is picking up, I don't know. But yeah, this is the okay busy. It's busy, but you can walk around. You can, uh, you know, I'm not like packed into people. Yesterday it felt like uh, it was that Shibuya Shinjuku feeling of just like, this is an uncomfortable number of people. This is too many people. And if you heard last episode, I recorded a tiny little bit at the end of the episode, just about like, oh geez, I got to Ikebukuro and it's crazy. I gotta get out of here. I think it's kind of telling that I really have not Maybe I should be thinking about COVID more, but I'm not. It just hasn't really been, it's like, hey, if it happens, it happens. But I haven't felt like I was, uh, besides traveling at all, I don't think I'm doing anything too weird or too crazy. Like I'm not doing anything that feels irresponsible. But Ikebukuro last night, that's the first thought I felt. I turned the corner to like the main strip near where uh, there's like an entrance to Sunshine City and a big book-off store. 
it was like a warning bell went off in my brain that said, don't do this. <laughs> there are so many people and why are you even, why are you here? This is, you're not here to get a life-saving blood transfer. You're here for no reason. Get out of here. I'll talk a bit more about that though, because it actually ended up being a pretty cool night. First though, I just want to mention, what a weird thing. So I've hardly taken any subways while I've been here. But just such a weird thing is that uh, the train, the Tobu line I think it's called, from Nakaitabashi to Ikebukuro, for whatever reason back in the day, oh yeah, I'm actually there right now. I met, there's the book off and the UMAX cinema. and the entrance to Sunshine City. Maybe I'll go into Sunshine City. But this train, this one train line, I remember it always giving me like a tickle in my throat, like I had to cough. And it would be the weirdest thing because no other train in the city made me feel like that. I'd be going through the day, don't need to cough. Get off that train, don't need to cough. It was definitely the train, because then as soon as I'd get on the train, I'd be trying to hold back the coughs, and even though it's only like four stops, it's not that far. That's a long time to uh, try to force yourself not to cough, <laughs> just to not make everyone around you uncomfortable. Even though I clearly wasn't sick, but they don't know that. And all this time later, four years later, I got on that train, and right away, the tickle in my throat. Luckily, now I always have uh, cough drops. I had some cough drops in my little day bag, threw them in, no problem. But how weird, what is up with that train? There is something there that my throat does not like. So there's a, a little escalator that goes underground to Sunshine City. And then the mall itself, I guess, stretches out past this. It must go underground under this overpass that I'm walking under. But yeah, I'm just gonna walk over on foot, sneak in one of the alternative entrances instead of near all the people. That was quite a, even at this like calmer time of day, quite a fucking blast of noise. <laughs> Yikes. I guess that's the other thing is usually when I was walking around there, I had headphones in that were dulling the sound where here it's, uh, you know, cause I'm doing this podcasty shit. It's like I'm getting an extra blast. That was a lot. And there's a thing I'll mention just uh, real quickly, just because it happened to happen just now. I always feel like this is like a dicey subject in North America. This is a contentious thing. But I've only seen two people wearing yoga pants this whole time, and they were both white women. <laughs> and it's one of those things I never really noticed, because it just, you know, you don't notice your own environment. It's just one of those things that happened in North America. And there's a lot of good to it, you know, obviously. It's nice that we do not live in an oppressive society and, you know, you can just dress how you want and generally not be bothered for it. But I did always find it a little, uh, I don't know, what's the right word? I'm sure women don't even know that they have this effect on people. You know, they're like in the eye of the storm. But it's, uh, I, I would describe it as inconsiderate, possibly, <laughs> to walk around in public functionally nude. It, it really does, I mean, it throws me off every time. Every time I see someone walk by where it's just like they look like a superheroine, I'm always like, man, that is just, it seems weird to me that I'm walking around and 
that lady is like basically naked. <laughs> I, I don't I don't like it. It I do like it, but you know what I mean. I like it in a creepy way. I prefer not to have my brain send me ancient deep dark symbols from uh, generations past. But I don't want to repress anybody. Do whatever you want, you know? Obviously when push comes to shove, I'm much more for freedom, for the freedom to do whatever you want. But then I went to uh, Amsterdam and nobody dresses like that. Everybody was wearing jeans, you know? Cool leather jackets a lot, but, but jeans, just jeans everywhere. And jeans are not the same. <laughs> jeans are, you know, you can have some tight jeans. It's not the same as yoga pants, which are virtually, yoga pants are, it's like better than not wearing anything because it additionally sculpts your body. <laughs> yoga pants are fucking insane. They, they are just superhero clothes. But I noticed once I got to Amsterdam, like, man, I just feel more normal when I walk around. It don't feel like I'm walking through a pornographic wonderland. <laughs> I know no woman will understand this. This sounds insane, but I can't help how my monkey lizard brain is wired. That's just how it is. Anyway, also in Japan, in Japan, it's like skirts, long skirts, shawls. Nobody really dresses quote unquote, like sexy. It's just not a thing here. Even if you're in sort of one of the like nightlife areas of town and people are kind of dressed up. It's a far cry from just how people dress walking around downtown Toronto, <laughs> you know? And yeah, I don't know, it's just, I just thought I'd bring that up because I don't know if North America even knows that it is that way. That it's like not that way other places. I'm not sure what kind of awareness we have of ourselves because I didn't. I didn't realize till I went other places and I'm like, ah, oh, look at that. Everyone is actually wearing clothing. <laughs> and then you get back to North America and it is like, again, I know this is like potentially offensive. Women don't want to hear it, but it's like being in a strip club. That's exactly what it feels like to a guy. And I don't know, just, just, I guess you should just, you don't have to change how you live. You don't have to care about me, but just be aware, I guess, that it feels less than fully considerate to just show your butt to everybody <laughs> all day. <laughs> There's a lot of other cultures that are not doing that. And it's extra weird, those couple rare times that I see somebody wearing yoga pants in Japan and it's like, you did not get the memo. You are aggressively at this point, not looking around at what's going on here. Cause nobody is doing that. Yeah, it's one of those things, I don't even know how to talk about that without sounding like a terrible person. <laughs> Some horrible, sexist bigot. But it's weird, it's a weird situation. I'm just uh, walking up the steps outside Sunshine City now. Nice and a quiet, away from the people. And there's a park with just like a passed out guy in it. <laughs> So Ikebukuro, what happened yesterday is, yeah, I had that initial blast of people and I was like, oh, I just gotta get out of here. This is too many people. I don't like this. You know, it's kind of fun to wander around and see the stuff, but, but I'm not really in the market for anything. I can't really buy stuff because I don't have room for it anyway. So I did the quick little thing that I threw in the last episode of the podcast of like, this is insane. I gotta get out of here. But then I actually hung around for a couple hours because the rest of Ikebukuro was still great. 
It was just that main area was extremely crowded. But I was like, all right, let's, uh, let's get out of here. But I always remembered there was this one area I really liked, the same way that I'm always like, I like these weird little areas that are not areas, that are not anything that you're supposed to care about as a tourist or something, because I just like the little calm parts. So Ikebukuro East, the east side of the station, is where all the major stuff is. And I always remembered that there's a little walking path if you don't want to go through the crowded station to get from east to west. I guess to the south, if you use the east and west cardinal directions of the station. On the south side of the station, there's a little underground passage you can walk under. And to the side of that is this little area where, not little actually, it's pretty big, where people just kind of hang out and smoke a lot. And I was like, well, let me just maneuver my way over there. And even as soon as I got away from the main area, things calmed down a lot, they weren't as bad. And once I got over there, it was just like I remembered it. It was just some people milling around. Also not as many smokers as there used to be, but some people smoking. And it was just, just like I remembered it, like, ah, there we go. Ah, there's the nice little area. I can just kind of hang out here. And then I went through the walking path, which is, again, with the tallness thing, just a little taller than my head. A little bit of a weird feeling to walk through this tunnel that's just barely taller than me which is like the seedier side maybe, but that's kind of the side that I like better anyway. And just hung around out there and it's just like, ah, this is fun, this is good. I pretty much just put some music on, some MP3s on and just walked around. Just soaked it in, <laughs> just soaked in the nighttime Ikebukuro. And then took the train home and it was sweet. But yeah, I think I'll yammer a little more about why Ikebukuro is cool. But for now, I'm just gonna go in Sunshine City and wander around a little first. I just went to Super Potato, and I think that's a perfect way to sum up what I like so much about Ikebukuro, is that it's like the neighborhood that has everything. So for anybody who's not a video game nerd, Super Potato is this really famous retro video game store in Akihabara, Electric Town, where all the anime and video game stuff is. And it got really famous, I think partially just because of the name, but these journalists from EGM and stuff, back when there were print magazines, they would go to Japan to get scoops on the new games coming out, and you'd start to hear about Super Potato. Like, hey, have you been to Super Potato? Like, yeah, I went to Super Potato and I got this, 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 and this. Like, I fucking love Super Potato. And this was like, I'm talking 15, 20 years ago, I started hearing about this place. So it became one of those things of like, if you ever go to Japan, you gotta go to Super Potato. <laughs> and Super Potato is pretty cool. I'm sure I'll get to Akihabara eventually, do a podcast about that. It's, uh, it's neat. I've heard, apparently, uh, price-wise, it's not the best, but I don't actually buy stuff because, you know, I've got my one bag. I can't fit anything else in there. I don't have any retro video game systems anymore. I'm just not a guy who owns or buys things. I just look at them. I just like to be around them. I just like to soak it up. And it's like, like I was saying earlier, like, wow, look at this. There's like a River City Ransom t-shirt. It's not, they call it Kunio-kun. <laughs> it's a whole different thing, but it's, it is the same thing. You know, we just have different names. They have more of them than us, but it's like, dude, look at that. 
Your nostalgia is my nostalgia. We're all coming together. Instead of Game Pro magazine, it's a Gamest magazine. But you know, it's all so cool and neat. Even just to see the box art for maybe some some game you owned as a kid, and the boxes are all different. And, and uh, oh, I saw a Sega Mark III in there today. I had never seen one before. I had a Sega Master System as a kid, but in Japan. It was the third iteration of the Sega, so it was called the Mark III. For us, it was just the first one. I never saw one before. It's gray, ours was black, and it's smaller, and uh, it was lighter, very light. But yeah, just to see that, it's like, I just love stuff like that. So uh, yeah, even if you don't buy anything, Super Potato is definitely worth going to. And the big benefit, I guess, to the Akihabara one is on the top floor, there's arcade games, so that's cool. But I never in my life heard anybody say there was more than one super potato. I just assumed that was it. And then I was walking around Ikebukuro and I walked past a super potato and I was like, what in the fuck? There's another one? There's another one that I think is a bit smaller but is really packed full of stuff. There's approximately a very similar amount of stuff in there. And it's kind of on a little quieter side street pretty close to Sunshine City. Even just when I was in there now, I mean, there were three other customers and it was a little packed. <laughs> it's really narrow aisles and stuff. But it's not the, the crazy shit show that Akihabara is. Akihabara is just fucking insane, you know, like unpleasantly busy. So that would be my main selling point for Ikebukuro in general is it's probably got a version of whatever it is you want to see. You know, if you go to the main neighborhood that's known for X, Y, or Z thing, yeah, it'll be more intense. You'll get more of it. But if you want some of it, and for it to be less crazy, Ikebukuro, you know? Last night it was pretty crazy, but now that it's uh, late afternoon on a Monday, it's not a problem. It's all good. So, for an example, as far as the video game stuff goes, Akihabara is the, the top dog for, for that, but there's a super potato here. Uh, there's a big two-story book off here that's got all kinds of video games on one of the floors. For anime, again, Akihabara's the place, but Ikebukuro's got a big anime thing going on, and apparently it originated as being kind of the neighborhood to go to for, for anime that is more aimed at women, and like boys love anime and stuff. Now it's way more than that. There's all kinds of different stuff, but that stuff is still, there's a core of it here. And even that I kind of like. I like that that's the core vibe. That the core vibe is kind of like girls romance stuff. Because the core vibe of Akihabara is women getting semen ejaculated on them. <laughs> you know? There's giant porn stores and yeah, there's the seven floor anime store, but the top two floors are just fucking porn. It's, you know, it's the boy-centric version of that whole thing. Again, it's worth going to. You, you gotta go. You gotta see it. But you can get a very good uh, taste of that experience in Ikebukuro and it's less outwardly creepy and weird. On the east side, not on the west side. I'll get into that after. Uh, Sunshine City itself, it's basically just a mall. Being back in there, I was happy to see that the Tully's Coffee I always used to go to is still there and thriving. Great place to get a coffee and sit down with a laptop because there's a million seats. It's all good. But I'm remembering that I mainly went there on rainy days because from Naka Itabashi, 
I could get all the way from the station to Ikebukuro Station to Sunshine City without having to go above ground very much. You could mostly avoid the rain and then just hang out there for the afternoon if it was raining. Because now that it's not raining, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool, but you know, it's just a mall. I'm not going to really spend a lot of time in here. The two new things that weren't there before, there's a big Pokemon center, which I get the feeling I really would have liked Pokemon. I bet I would have been into it. It seems like it was pretty cool, but I was about five years too late. Because when the Pokemon Big Boom first hit with the card game specifically, where everybody was losing their minds trying to get these, these cards, I was already working at a comic shop. I was like 16 or 17. And I just had to field the telephone calls all day of like, no, we don't have any Pokemon. No, I don't know when any more is coming in. Eventually, I think I just took the phone off the hook because it's like, what is the point? No one is calling for legitimate business. They're just calling to ask if we have Pokemon cards, which are sold out everywhere. That was such a bizarre phenomenon at first that like, occasionally like gas stations and stuff through their distributors would manage to get a box of Pokemon cards somehow and then they'd sell them for like 20 or 30 dollars a pack. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It's like, what is happening? But even after that boom, obviously Pokemon has stayed strong this whole time. But I didn't go in because I don't know shit about it. Like I said, it just, it seems like it would be cool. But since I was a bit older than that, I played Magic the Gathering. I played old school Final Fantasy and Fantasy Star. I missed out on the Pokemon thing. And the other thing is the world's biggest gacha store, where Gachapon is, uh, it's where you put coins in and you turn the knob and a little plastic ball comes out. And you know, you know what the general topic is. It's based on a specific anime or a specific sort of topic. Some of them are weird. It could be like a little figurine of a, of a sushi meal or something. So you know generally what you're gonna get, but you don't know exactly what. It's all kind of random. And this was the biggest gacha store in the world. 3,000 gacha machines. And it sure was. <laughs> but I got, I got a gacha story too, but I'll tell that. If not this episode, then next. What do I got lined up? Gacha and Sega. Well, here's K-Books. K-Pop, J-Pop. I believe that is one of the famed stores for girls type of thing because uh, there's a lot of uh, handsome boy band lads outside that store and uh, yeah and like I said it's just whatever whatever the the vibe is you're looking for I don't know about fashion stuff with that whole like Harajuku thing how uh, my experience with Harajuku is that it uh, is super overrated and crazy crowded there might be fashion stuff here I don't know that's just not something I, I looked for so I'm not sure but generally everything's here a smaller version of everything is here. And I thought that was so cool because it's just one of those things that I'd never heard of. Like I'd heard of Shibuya, I'd heard of Shinjuku, I'd heard of Akihabara. Ikebukuro is big. It's like one of the top five biggest neighborhoods or like convergent zones like that, if I remember right. Like it's not small, but it's not big enough to just be famous outside of Japan necessarily. But once you know about it, it's like, oh yeah, for sure, that place, that place is great. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, like when I first moved to Vancouver and you find out about Granville Street. Granville Street's a super famous street. Everybody in Vancouver knows it, but outside of there, I didn't know about it. But you move there, you immediately learn about it and it immediately becomes one of the most famous areas. Or in Toronto, 
I did know Young Street, but the one I always think of is Bloor Street, because it's such a weird name, B-L-O-O-R. But it's a big major street that just crosses all the way across Toronto. And it's again one of these like major streets. You'll go there a million times. You'll always navigate based on it. But until I moved to Toronto, I never heard of it. So Ikebukuro is exactly like that. Instantly, the moment you go there, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a place. That's an important, cool place where basically everything is. But until I came here, just through sort of accidentally having an Airbnb near here, I never heard of it. It was kind of interesting too, I went in the book off, the big two-story used bookstore, and it's just cool to walk around, especially for the video game stuff for me, but, but all the anime and manga stuff that I can't read, <laughs> but it's like, theoretically, this is cool. Again, it's just cool to look at. It's cool just to browse through. So yeah, I'm gonna go mosey to the west side which is the first side of Ikebukuro that I mostly went to that is uh, a lot less, there's a lot less direct like reason to go there. Of like, oh, it's cool because there's this, that, or that. But yeah, I'm gonna take the little underground walking path that goes under all the train stuff. And then we'll ramble about that a bit. <laughs> that couldn't be a more perfect introduction to the west side. I'm just going down this little back alley I never saw before. DVD store. Lots of girls in bikinis on the posters. So I went in uh, an animate store that I think is new on the east side. That it's like your seven floor gargantuan anime store just like uh, Akihabara has. But it really is. That thing I was saying about how the baseline of uh, of the anime stuff in Ikebukuro is more based on girls comics, girls like boys love comics, <laughs> girls gay romance. How do I explain this? Gay romance between boys meant for female readers comics, <laughs> boys love comics. It absolutely is that because uh, yeah the seven floor super gargantuan store did not have the top floor mega porno wing like in Akihabara. It did get pretty spicy, some of the stuff in there, but it, uh, it's dudes blowing cum on each other <laughs> instead. <laughs> but generally, yeah, a lot more calm in general. But then I went and hung out with the smokers near the walkway till the sun went down, because you definitely want the sun to be down before you come to the west side of Ikebukuro, because it's like, CD nightlife area, I guess. <laughs> but even still, it's still just a smaller version of, of this. The big famous one, I think it's called Kabukicho, maybe? I've never been there. Cause I was just like, why? Why would I go there? What am I gonna do? <laughs> but I might, I might make the effort because while I was locked down with COVID, I played Yakuza Kiwami. That was the remake of the first Yakuza game. Gameplay-wise, not a very, <laughs> not a great game, <laughs> but the storyline of it is awesome. It all takes place in this one little neighborhood, and you just run around and do missions for people, and you get to know the neighborhood and know all the people there. And they've made like a pile of those games, so the later ones are probably better. 
but it played the first one, the remake of the first one. I definitely do recommend it overall, fun game. And apparently it's based on a real neighborhood. So it might be cool to go there just for that, like to see how closely it aligns and like, will I feel like I'm inside the video game while I walk around there? That could be cool. But just to get that vibe without having to go to the real place, because that's also the place where you hear about foreigners getting fucking, hey, come into this bar. And then they get drugged and robbed. It's not like that happens a lot. And uh, it's, it's uh, just to, sometimes, you know, generalizations, uh, they'll save you. It's not Japanese people doing this necessarily, it's Nigerian people. So if some Nigerian guy in the seedy nightlife area invites you to uh, some bar to get drunk, either they're gonna rip you off on the price or you're literally gonna wake up from a drugged stupor with all of your stuff gone. <laughs> it's pretty fucked. So, I mean, that's the kind of neighborhood we're talking about, but this feels way safer here because it's way smaller and it's just, you know, it's got a bit of that taste, but again, it's not the real thing. It's the Ikebukuro version. It's the smaller one, but it's still awesome. It's really good. I love, like, this is the place where the only thing to do here, quote unquote, by my nerdy standards, since I'm not a man of the evening, <laughs> since I feel guilty spending money, I'm certainly not going to go get a hand job at a fucking soapland or something. There's a, a Taito station here. And it was the first arcade I went to in Japan, because again, my Airbnb just happened to be near Ikebukuro. I just happened to come out of the station on the west side, and it was the first thing I saw. And I was like, oh man, a Japanese arcade, fucking cool. And it's still there. I went there yesterday, went through the floors, and it's like, yep, not bad. It's not as big as the old Sega one which is sadly not there anymore. But it's still like five floors. There's tons of stuff in there, maybe six with the basement. I was thinking too when I went in there, you know, it's pretty cool. It's got the claw machines on the bottom floor. And then as you go up, it's got different types of arcade machines. So one of the floors is music and rhythm games. And it's just like, boom, it's like going to a concert or going to a dance club. It's so loud, but it is just such a cacophony. It's, you know, the machines have to be crazy loud. So whichever one you're specifically in front of won't get drowned out by all the other ones. And I was thinking how cool it would be because there's like 30 different machines in there. It would be so cool if they were all arranged to the same beats per minute. I mean, I guess you couldn't do that because of different skill levels, but I mean, I guess you could, as long as it was a consistent beats per minute, and then people that were higher level would just have more inputs they had to do. It would be so cool if all the different songs were aligned to the same beat. So when you get to that floor, everybody's on the same beat and you just feel that one beat thumping through the whole place. That would be fucking rad as shit. <laughs> but that's not how it works. It's all just a bunch of it's a bunch of random wild shit happening. What even is this store? Ban Ban. 24-hour Ban Ban store. There's some food, but there's some figurines. I don't know. I just <laughs> I don't know. Should I wander into this place? I have no fucking idea what it is or what's going on. But yeah, my little rant about uh, yoga pants is actually a, a kind of appropriate thing because it fits in with this. Is there are like very consistent styles in Japan. Like it is really common to see women just wearing long skirts and shawls. I've seen that a thousand times already. It's kind of your standard look. 
and a lot of guys are just still wearing suits. Like it's kind of like a 1950s throwback in a way. But it's interesting how like there are sort of codified. Oh, is this place a fucking arcade? Oh shit, let's just go in here. Oh, this is the other Taito station. This isn't the main one, this is a little side one. I'm so lame that I put some money in uh, the coin changer because uh, I gotta do laundry, not tomorrow, but the day after. In between going to new Airbnbs, it's like, ah, oh, I got all afternoon to kill. I'll spend some of it doing laundry. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I got the right coins for the laundry. But I guess while I'm here, I should fucking, as thanks for letting me use their coin changer, I should do something, right? I should play something. It's a bunch of these claw games, but the claw games are such a kick in the dick. I do like the little gacha pods better because at least you get something. You know, it might be five bucks, but you get something. With these, I could easily spend five bucks and get fucking nothing. Oh, they take Suica cards. <laughs> I got like a hundred dollars on that shit. But yeah, if you've ever watched the uh, claw machine videos on YouTube, Connor from Trash Taste does it all the time. Man, you can spend a lot of money on this goddamn shit <laughs> and never get anything. My friend Brad got uh, a water bottle in Fukuoka and I think he only spent couldn't have been more than six or seven dollars, so it was actually pretty good. I got to experience the joy of victory that one time, and I was like, that's good, that's enough. Let me just play a video game. What do we got? We gotta have something here. Street Fighter V. No thank you. Oh, here's that weird Capcom Dungeons and Dragons game that never came out over here. Tetris, Metal Slug 6. I didn't know they were up to six. But that that might uh, that might be the winner. Uh, final fight. Let's do final fight. I was always a Sega kid, so I'm uh, I'm a Streets of Rage lad, but I'll play some Final Fight. Alright, that's enough of that. I only played one of my three lives. It was just taking forever. It's like, I don't give a fuck. I've played Final Fight a million times. That's like, uh, the idea of like a barcade. The first time I saw one of those was in Brooklyn in like 2008. And then uh, they had one in Toronto. I don't know if it's still there. It seems like the greatest thing in the world when you first go. You go to this bar and you just buy drinks that aren't really especially more expensive than anywhere else and they've got all these arcade machines set to free play. Or I went to the Penny Arcade Expo one time. When was that? 2012 or 2013? Same thing, they had like an arcade room where everything's set to free play. And at first it seems like the best thing in the world. But then you realize that uh, it's just not the same anymore. When you were a kid, arcades were fucking, they were crazy. They were like a vision of the future. You got to see what video games were gonna be like someday <laughs> in your home console experience, but for only a quarter or possibly a hundred yen in Japan. 
Man, I feel bad for kids that had to spend 100 yen. That's a lot on a video game. But it was an amazing experience and your money was very limited. And the whole thing just, was that, that, that pressure too, if you had to get your money's worth, you had to do as well as possible. None of that shit feels that way when you're an adult. <laughs> now it's just like, will I just hurry up and die already? <laughs> I don't want to play fucking Final Fight. What am I doing? <laughs> That's enough. That's enough video games for me. One single life in a game. I'm just an old man who gets coins to do laundry now. That's what I do. So what was I saying? Speaking of being an old man. Oh yeah, uh, codified fucking outfits. Like, I haven't seen a lot of, like, cool punk rock-looking people here in Japan, but some, you know, an occasional bit, and they do look fucking cool. They look like, you know, they're all buckled up, all their clothes have cool fucking shit on them, and they have cool hair. They look like they're from a Square Enix game. But it doesn't have the feeling of counterculture, really, or being, like, against society. It just feels like, I'm this type of person. This is how I fit in. I'm gonna be... I'm gonna be the punk rock guy, <laughs> you know? Like everything seems to fit in a very distinct place. I'm not sure what you'd have to do to really rub society the wrong way. But why I bring that up is because this is like a nightlife area, instead of just the sort of 1950s housewife outfits <laughs> that you see around where people are just, just really dressed really normal, here to designate that it's like, oh, this is where things are getting a little wild, here's where things are getting a little saucy. It's basically just shorter skirts and bigger boots. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. But that's the code. That's how you know, like, ooh la la. I bet I could spend uh, money here to get someone to fucking jack me off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's just funny because from an outside perspective, it's still so stayed, it's still so, uh, I mean, I still feel like just the average woman wearing yoga pants is way sexier than that. But we just, we just take it too far in North America. Jesus, this is a lot of trains. Man, the smoking areas are alive and well here. I passed one where it's just a parking lot full of people smoking, and then there's a washroom over by the uh, walking path, just packed full of smokers. <laughs> they know where to go, they know to come here. So yeah, even though I don't really do anything per se in any neighborhood that I'm in, I just walk around and soak it in. That's all I do. But I love this neighborhood, Ikebukuro West, for that. This is like the best to just walk around and soak it in. I mean, maybe when I get to Kabukicho, maybe that'll be even better, <laughs> but I don't know. Because, yeah, it's just, it's just the lights and the craziness and just the vibe and the feeling. And it's so cool, but at the same time, it's still very uh, harmless. I mean, I think probably this neighborhood is most famous for having uh, a McDonald's and a Wendy's, you know, <laughs> when you get right down to it. <laughs> That's probably one of the main things that people come here for is just, just shit like that. Hey, Mr. Donut, Starbucks, whatever, you know, it's the same as all the other places. It's just got that little extra vibe. And it just looks cool. Oh, I think this is a pachinko. I think I'm not gonna go into any pachinko parlors. You know, I did that on my first visit just to check them out. 
but that cacophony from the arcades, that was plenty. Imagine that, but even louder. And the games are even dumber. <laughs> Pachinko is the stupidest shit in the world. There's also, at all the intersections, there's like officials posted, standing there. And they've got pylons with a, you know, a big no Ghostbusters sign with something. And that speaker was, was yammering something, but I have no idea. I have no idea what they're... I mean, maybe they're just there to make everything generally safer. Just like, hey, don't worry, someone sort of official is just here posted at every corner. But I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're actually doing. But yeah, it's also quite a small little neighborhood because right now I just walked to the edge and now all of a sudden it's just quiet little normal neighborhood again. But yeah, another example of how the west side is, this is the seedy side <laughs> compared to the east side, is I don't know where the store was, I would probably never be able to find it again. It was just some random little shop that I walked by when I was here in 2019. It was a little anime shop, or a little manga shop, and I went in, <laughs> and the first thing that I saw, not like squirreled away in a corner, not hidden behind some uh, blinds or anything, just the first thing was, uh, I mean, I guess these were like, like fan comics, doujinshis. I don't know that they were like officially from any publishers, although maybe, who knows, it's fucking Japan. But it was just this comic that, I, let's just describe it as a, a clear crime. <laughs> it's like, this is fucking insane. This drawing is insane. This would cause a goddamn incident in, in pretty much any Western country. It's kind of uh, remarkable so far that Japan is still just getting away with, with, I mean, it's, it's sort of, I don't know, it's like, <laughs> this all, I feel like this all ties back into the yoga pants thing, where I'm like, you know, I am glad that people are able to express themselves however they want in North America, even if, even if seeing people in yoga pants all day scrambles my brain and I find it personally a little uh, difficult. <laughs> it, drains, it drains my brain. This is kind of like that, where it's like Japan is like, hey, it's just drawings, man. It's just self-expression. It's no big deal. There's no reason that a drawing should be illegal. And then they draw stuff that is clearly fucking illegal. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I get it. I get that it's just a drawing, but what in the goddamn shit is this? And yeah, just to see it just right there. And then the guy who ran the store, so nice. Just like, hello, hey, how you doing? Japanese guy, you know, just the most polite man in the world. <laughs> it's like, I gotta get out of here. I, I feel like I need a VPN in real life just to be standing here. But that's Ikebukuro East versus Ikebukuro West. Both sides are definitely worth going to. This neighborhood is great, I love it. Generally speaking, yeah, I'd say go to uh, the east side during the day. Go to the Pokemon Center, go to the Gacha store, go to the Animate, go to the fucking Book Off, go, go see all the shit. And then when the sun goes down, if you just want to get a taste, a taste of the nightlife without going to the real one, the one where people are drugged and robbed. <laughs> these, are all, these are all dumb generalizations. I mean, I feel like you can just do whatever you want in Japan and you're gonna be fine. Nothing bad's gonna happen to you. But I just really especially like Ikebukuro West because like that's all I did yesterday. I just walked around this neighborhood for like two hours listening to music and it just feels like you're in a movie. It's like, this is so, this is so cool. I love this shit.
in a way it's kind of handy just for me personally as a creep that uh, you know I do all this traveling with inheritance money I got from my poor deceased father so you know I try to try to keep it a little reasonable try to at least keep it kind of inexpensive I don't just blow all of his his ghost money on nothing and I think that's kind of a good thing because if I won the lottery or something if I just had tons of money and I had no feeling of guilt about spending it oh I'd be the worst <laughs> I think I would be ashamed of myself because most of the time as a white dude you just get ignored in this neighborhood but eventually somebody's gonna ask hey you looking for girls and I'm just like, no, I'm good. I'm just walking around like a fucking nerd idiot, and that's, that's my whole plan. I'm all right. But I bet it's a slippery slope. I bet it's, like, exciting at first. And then next thing you know, you're spending all your money on booze and hookers. And you spiral out of control, and you feel bad about yourself, and then you got to find Jesus. It's a whole to-do. So I'll just walk around staring at things like a big gawky nerd, thank you. Which is in fact what I'm going to do now. So, uh, yeah, there's my Ikebukuro episode. 10 out of 10, fully recommended. You should definitely come to Ikebukuro. East and West. Don't miss out on the West side. It's pretty cool. There's a Wendy's here. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I still haven't found... I feel like as soon as the weather got just a teeny touch colder that I could sort of justify getting these hot soup things out of the vending machines. There's all kinds of corn soup. I've tried fancy corn soup, I've tried homestyle corn soup, normal corn soup, every corn soup under the sun. Uh, the red bean soup, that's pretty rare, but here's one here too, which I had in that park. Very sugary, but very delicious. This one, this is the first time I've seen this since I've been back. It's got the cold potato soup. If it was hot, I would try it. But I've had this cold before and it literally tastes like if you took uh, Pringles, a can of Pringles chips and just liquefied it and drank it. So it's like not bad, but it's just creepy. It's like, I don't know that this is really what I want to put in my mouth. <laughs> but I can't find the Dido crab soup anywhere. Surely there's some around. And yeah, that's half the fun. It's half the fun to just make, make a mission for yourself that doesn't matter to anybody but you. Crab soup is one of my missions. One of my mini missions. All right, see you next episode. Here's a little bonus bit. I'm walking from Oji Station up to Nakaitabashi along the Shikuji River and it's fucking beautiful at nighttime. Beautiful in the daytime, beautiful in the nighttime, just the best. Oh shit, there's the 7-Eleven with the black logo outside. The whole outside is black. I also got, I got a strong zero. That's the crazy 9% booze, but it's just a little one, not a big one. And just put it in a coffee can, because I don't know if it matters that I'm drinking a strong zero at night. Maybe it doesn't matter at all, but it's in a coffee can so no one can tell. Anyway, what I want to mention is sour dried plums from 7-Eleven. 
slightly unpleasant taste-wise, but they are really fucking sour. Holy shit. If you want something sour, I've only got a couple left, but let me just eat them in real time. <laughs> this fucking shit is, cannot believe how sour they are. It's nuts. It's way more sour than any sour candy in North America. Way back when Terminator 2 came out in 1991 or whatever, there was a candy called T2 Meltdowns. Those are the most sour thing I think I ever had. They don't make them anymore because they probably burned a hole in a bunch of kids' tongues. But these, oh my god, I cannot believe how sour these are. I don't know if this is natural. I don't know much about plums or if they did something to them, but they're fucking crazy. Jewel them up. Got the weird plum taste and then, oh. Oh, sour boy. Oh my god. Oh, it just coats the whole mouth. Holy shit. Oh, okay, it's passing now. Fucking fuck. So yeah, sour dried plums from 7-Eleven, dude. Give them a shot. Shit's fucking sour. 